<clears throat> so first let me apologize. I got this chest cold. So what happens when you have a, a kid in preschool? They bring all that three-year-old boogies home with him, you know? <clears throat> yeah, right? I also work in a germ factory, right? For those of you who don't know, I'm a high school teacher during the week. And that's like germ factory 101 right there. Even as teenagers, it's like, you know. <clears throat> so I apologize already for that. But, you know, let's, uh, let's, just, let's just crack open the word. We're going uh, to be in uh, both Genesis and Acts today. <clears throat> so, Lord, we just come before you and we just, we just ask for your presence to just continue to be here to direct us to. Open up our hearts and our minds and our, our spirit to just receive of your word. Lord, that you draw us into deep places with you. That we can step into maturity. That we can forego the milk of the word, but we can chew on the meat of the word. So Father, we just come before you and ask for your presence to show us and enlighten us. Amen. So... Uh, as I was saying, I'm a, I'm a social studies teacher, <clears throat> and so this time of year is a whole like there's a buzz in the air in, in school. I mean, we don't get out until uh, June 20th, so this is like the very end of the school year. Uh, graduation is coming up, right? And uh, in high school, there's a, there's a big buzz. If you have kids in preschool, I mean, they even make a big buzz about like graduating preschool and graduating kindergarten. Like anytime we can celebrate a kid for graduating, like it's there, right? And it's cool. It's awesome. I'm not like I'm not against it in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> but you know, it's it's just a season that our culture is in, uh, and so especially with uh, high school students, um, you know, it's this time of celebration. It's time of graduation speeches and commencements. It's time, where, depending on I guess how, how what kind of school or culture you may have. But I mean, people are showing up to the commencements in suits and. And uh, summer dresses, and everyone's getting their nails done, and all that kind of stuff, right? In some districts, they really do it up, especially the district I'm in. I mean, it's kind of like a, a big, big affair. And it's cool, and I, and I work graduation every year. I love saying goodbye to the kids and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's really a, a beautiful time. Um, but right now in school, when you have 18-year-olds that know they're graduating and they're mostly all accepted into college, I get a little lazy. Like I, I get it. I totally get it because I, I was a senior as well. But they get lazy, a little apathetic, and I got a little lazy, and I got a little apathetic as well. But one thing I can't stand, I just can't stand, and I, I, I hope I wasn't this way when I was a senior. Some of them just flat out get arrogant. Oh, yeah, like you owe me something. Like, I'm graduating, I've, I've made this mark, and all this kind of stuff, and like, I just can't handle arrogance. They usually say the thing that you dislike is the thing that you are, so maybe I actually am arrogant, and I just don't like seeing arrogant young people, but I'm not believing that, but you know, that's what they say, right? Thank you, thank you, I was just cracking a joke. Now, I haven't done this in years, but I'm, 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 I'm honest, I'm being honest with you. A couple years ago, I just, this one class was just really arrogant uh, about, this last couple weeks, like, I'm not supposed to do anything, like, blah, 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 you know, I'm going to college, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I, uh, one year, it was a couple years ago, I just, I don't know what came over me. I, uh, I just was like, it's time for a Mr. Greenockle commencement speech. 
And in the midst of like doing an activity that I worked on, and there's this arrogance, I, I, just, I just looked at them and, and I was like, like, why are you guys being this way? You haven't done anything yet. They're like, I'm like, you're really not that special. I mean, there's like hundreds of thousands of people that are graduating with you. I was like, all you have ever been is simply a kid that's been born in an affluent community. That, that's all you've been. Like, you don't work. You haven't contributed to society in any way. And you're still living off your parents' dime. And they were like... <laughs> now look, I can do this because generally, I, I think, and my past students can, can, can correct me, but for the most part, I, it feels that like, kids like, like me. And I spent 180 days with them not doing that. And so in the last moment, I was like, come on, guys. And so through relationship, I could talk that way is what I'm saying. So, you know, I went on and I said, look, when, when you guys actually do something with your life of note, then you can come back to me and, uh, and, and, then, and then, then you could, I guess you could be arrogant. Like, when you actually do something, when you face life, when you see its difficulties, when you rise out of that difficulty and you take someone with you, then you can come back and say that I owe you something. But until that, sit down, shut up, we're getting it done. So I don't like, what the heck is Green Uncle up to now? But then I said, but you know what? If you do do this, if you, if you go out and leave your mark, and if you face life's challenges, and you bring someone with you, I'm going to tell you right now, when you come back to me, you're no longer going to be arrogant. Because you would have seen suffering. You would have seen both the pain and the beauty of life. And you would be humbled. So when you get into the real world, out of this little like utopia bubble of suburbia, and you see the real world, it's going to be different. See, this, this, is, just, this is just people, man. Many people climb the mountain of life. Um... And this guy says, look, climb the mountain of life, not so the world can see you, but so you can see the world. See, a lot of people, um, whether in the lost or even in faith, they climb the prestige, the ladders of life, right? The mountaintop experience, the excelling in life so that people can see them. But really, um, the way that we should be thinking about life is as we graduate through stages of life, as we move through life, that we should be getting to these places so we can better see and, and, and evaluate what's going on in the world. Because once you see what's going on in the world, I'm hoping and praying you do something about that. See, what we have to do here is, in a, in even talking with these kids in school, is that you need to see the world, you need to leave a mark, and then you can celebrate. And this is the season, right, of this whole graduation thing. Anyone ever get that book? Who got this at graduation? This is like the penultimate like suburban gift. If you guys are concerned about going to a graduation party and you do not know what to get the kid, get him this. Or maybe don't because they're probably going to have five copies. Dr. Seuss is all the places you'll go. I, I, those of you who know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. Like everyone gets this book. So it's like a throwback to your childhood and your parents maybe read Dr. Seuss to you when you're little and this whole story is like, oh, little whatever... You know, it's a weird little town in 
who, yeah, you little whoville who person. You're going to go out and see the world, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and all these wonderful things. This is a very popular graduation gift. But, you know, when I was thinking about all this kind of weird stuff, uh, I was like, okay, so all the places you'll go, the graduates are going to go somewhere. We go somewhere. What, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? See, at the moment of, of, of graduation from, from a school, the world is alive. You remember when you were like 18, 17, graduating high school? Oh, the world, it's like, oh, what, 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 what will I be when I grow up? And what will I do? And where will I live? And how will I get my dreams met? And everything is so exciting. Right? But there's still an element of like, okay, kid, okay, us, where are you going to end up? Where are you going to end up mentally, physically, and spiritually? Where are you really going? And so, there is a graduation day. The graduation day in the scriptures is the sending out of the disciples. Yeshua, Jesus, has taught for three years. And now it's time to graduate, disciples. And the graduation goes like this. The wind blows, the fire falls, and the glory comes down. If you guys remember, realize this, today is Shavuot, or in Greek, Pentecost. 2,000 years ago, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 experience, tongues of fire falling. The beginning of the sending out of the disciples. The book of Acts in Hebrew is Mishliach, which means going out, sending out. Acts of the epistles, it's the actions of them. You see, these guys have been with the Lord for three, day, three years. They've been going to school, they've been learning. And now the Lord is saying, I'm giving you a diploma, it's time to go out. But the commencement ceremony is very different than ours, isn't it? Because the Holy Ghost shows up in power. Amen? Acts chapter 2, 1 through 7. I mean, this is just, just be reminded at, at what this graduation, if you will, was like. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each other, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Stop off at six. <clears throat> and so what I'm trying to encourage us in, the places and where you will go is a very biblical, actually, theme. And it's, we spend time with the Lord, but he's calling you to graduate. And I don't know how many of us really take that seriously. Fortunately, in the book of Acts, there's a student. You know, at every graduation, there is a, a student speaker. They get up and they give their 
address and they share what they have learned and all this kind of stuff and everyone claps. And so at Shavuot, at Pentecost, I think I should tell you a little bit about that. Pentecost uh, means in Greek five weeks. Shavuot in Hebrew just means weeks. It's the festival of weeks from the uh, older covenant. Uh, it is when uh, one is to celebrate the first harvest, the springtime harvest. Tradition has it, and there's some biblical understanding it seems to line up. That's actually during the time uh, when Moses receives the commandments from God on Mount Sinai. And then in the New Testament, that's when the Holy Spirit falls in power in the upper room. And then the apostles and the disciples go out into the world. Now, one graduate of the Jesus program, by the name of Peter, stands up in Acts chapter 2 and gives a speech. You may want to read along if you like. So, chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter, this is after the tongues of fire fall, this is after the wind blows, the fire falls, the glory of God comes down in their midst. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. You heed my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Like they were, they were kind of acting up. They were like in the spirit of God. They're worshiping. They're overwhelmed by the presence of God. They're speaking in various tongues. People are like, these people are nuts. They must have been drinking. And Peter's like, no. They have not been drinking. It's early in the morning yet. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and on my maiden servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Amen? So, many people in life climb the ladder of life climb their authority in life, grow in favor before men and God so that people can see them. But what does Peter do in his little commencement speech? What he does is here, that, that after this speech, they, they go out into the whole world. Not to be seen, but for the lost to see the power of the death and resurrection. There's a sending out there's a graduation that takes place. And what happens, people? Biblical things happen. 
We have to understand that we are living in biblical times. Like, it's not all done yet. Now, they canonized Scripture. They fixated Scripture, right? They're, they're the books. And, but the end is not, it, it, it's not completed yet. There's still the great and terrible day of the Lord. There's still a, 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 a tribulation. There's still him coming back on a, on a horse with his name written in blood on his thigh. There's still the great shofar blast. There's still him descending onto Mount Olives and water coming out and feeding the desert. There's still the Antichrist that's going to set up a false peace and a persecution of both Jews and Christians. All of that has not happened yet. And some people think it's beginning. But the reality here is we are alive in it. And we have been sent out. Not to be seen in our ministries and in our jobs. Point people to the sun. And Peter is just wrong. He's, he's, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. He even say, who is this, this uneducated fisherman who comes with power? And so look, the disciples are with Jesus for three years. There's this type of, this, this type of graduation kind of spiritual graduation that takes place and they go out, right? And what happens, man? It's unbelievable. Chapter 3, a lame man walks. Then Peter and John are arrested for speaking the power of the gospel. Acts chapter 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Can you imagine being put into prison for the speaking of the gospel? And they're not there wallowing in their own despair. They're just praying and interceding and worshiping. And the, the, the jail cell shakes and rattles. And they're able to get out. And people, the, the, the jailers are like, what just happened? And they get saved. Now that's, that's only chapter 4. That's only chapter 4. That's like a couple days after graduation. Chapter 5, there's unclean spirits that are being brought to Peter and the disciples. Pray for this person. There's a demon inside them and they're praying. The unclean spirits are just like, all leaving. Word gets out. People start bringing the, the infirmed and the dead on, in, in beds and in couches. And they're taking them out of their little homes. And they're bringing them to the feet of the disciples. And they pray and people are getting healed and being raised from the dead. Today commemorates those things. And if that's not enough, then a murderer, Paul, gets a visitation, doesn't he? A murderer, Paul, gets a visitation. He goes blind by the presence of God. His scales come off of his eyes. He's able to see both physically and spiritually who the Lord is. And then quickly after, a woman by the name of Dorca is raised from the dead. Chapter 11, Paul is so filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that he goes to Antioch. Chapter 13, he goes to Pisidia. Then he goes to Iconium and Listeria. Then he goes to Macedonia and Thessalonica. And it can't hold him back, the compulsion to preach the word. Then he goes to Berea. And then he goes to Athens on a boat. Then he goes to Corinth. Where people are asking a question like, who are you? And what does Paul say? I am no one. I am the least of the apostles. 
I have not come to you with eloquence of tongue, but I've come to you with a demonstration of the power of God. We need a demonstration of the power of God in this generation. We are living in biblical times. Game is not over. It is seventh inning stretch at best. It is time to walk out our graduation. We got to walk out the graduation. Then he goes to Ephesus. <clears throat> Riots break out. Then he has to go to Greece and he goes to Troas and Miletus. And he goes back to Jerusalem. And this, is, this, is, this is like, this is insane, right? And when he's in Jerusalem, he's arrested again. And he's brought before King Agrippus. Chapter 26, verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. <laughs> Here is Paul, a criminal, who's brought to the king. This is like you being a criminal for preaching the gospel and going to like the President of the United States because the President of the United States wants to question you. And what does that guy do? King Agrippus, do you believe? I know you do. And Agrippus is like, uh, what? Look at the boldness. Then Agrippus said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a believer or a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for the chains that I wear. This is a dude who's speaking with that type of boldness to a king. Because he had a touch of the Lord. Agrippus is completely astounded. He's like, ah, Paul is not just a Jew, he's also a Roman citizen. He's got to go to Caesar. And now this guy who was a murderer, who was blind but now can see, has gone to the king of the area of Judea, and now he's going to Caesar, the king of the empire. Woo! Come on, that's a demonstration of power. Not only that, that's one heck of a graduation. How? Right? How do we live out this type of acts experience? Well, one, you've got to actually want it. And, and that, that's a huge thing. I'm, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of people that don't want it. Because if you want it or you do it, your life is going to be changed. Completely upside down. Completely upside down. The things that you thought were important are no longer important. The things that no longer, those things that which are kind of important are of the utmost importance. You're going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to be an awkward and peculiar people. People in the church are going to think you've lost your mind. Just like people of Judea thought Peter and the disciples lost their mind. So, you know, in your mind right now, don't be like, yeah, I want this. As they said back in the 90s, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? You've got to check yourself. Do you really want this? 
You want the fire of God burning inside of you to such an extent that you can't take it anymore. And you have to tell everyone. And you got to put your hands on people and believe for healing. And be a weirdo amongst men. That's what it is to graduate the school of, of the Lord. But let's, let's get a little bit like more theological and practical here. Uh, how did the disciples and the apostles, like how and why did, could they do the things that they did? So many people are like, well, things like that aren't supposed to happen now. That was for the apostles. Well, Mark says, right, go out into all the world, right? Preach the good news. You're going to put your hands on the sick. They will be healed. You will speak in new tongues. Right? You'll pick up serpents and be bit and nothing will happen of you. Right? These types of works are not just for oh, the apostles. Did not Jesus say, you will do even greater things than I? I want to see that. Have you seen that yet? Nah, yeah, neither have I. There's got to be a reason for it. If he told us and we haven't seen it, and you believe the words of the Lord to be true, and you haven't seen it yet in your life. Either the problem is the Lord, or the problem is me. I'm putting it on me. Yeah, I, I, like, I mean, just I mean, if you're gonna believe the word to be the word, you just believe the word to be the word. So how did the disciples do it? First thing, they believed the promise. That's huge. They believed the promise. Acts chapter 1, this is the Lord. This is Jesus speaking before he ascends. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. <clears throat> But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can the worship team come on down? <clears throat> so they believed the power. They believed the promise that was spoken by Jesus, and they have to wait. And they wait in the upper room in prayer, and they're waiting, they're waiting, and they're waiting, and the Holy Spirit falls. The second way in which they were able to do this, they had an experience. They believed, but then a week later, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit fell in their midst in an amazing, amazing way. So there was a belief, and there was an experience. And in between, there was a waiting. So, okay, fine, Dave, you know, you know, we're talking about like the sending out and the graduation and this whole thing about like going out into the world and, and showing people the, the power of the gospel and, but not just showing people the power of the, the power of the gospel, not just talking about the power of the gospel, but showing them the power of the gospel. It's like, how are you going to go to an atheist and how are you going to go to some philosopher and, and philosophize your way to bring them to faith? They're going to be like... All over the place, right? I mean, when you go over to them and be like, yo, the Lord is just telling me right now that you have a, a bad right knee, right, from running. And they go blank white. 
and they say, Jesus is sin, he wants to heal you. Boom! You can't deny the power, the demonstration of the power of Jesus. You see, we have a weak church in the West. Because we want to science everything away. I'm the first one. I'm all about science. I'm all about going to doctors. Uh, yo, do it. But go to the Father. Even before you're going to the doctors at the same time, right? I just want to see the Spirit of God fall in my generation. I want to. But I haven't seen it. And so what do we have to do? We have to believe the promise that Jesus wants to give the power of the Holy Ghost. And we also need to have the experience. Just like they did. But I believe there's, there's some more things to learn from this. And, and it's this. Motivation and feelings can come and go, but revelation remains. Oh, I'm not motivated to pray for someone. Oh, I just don't feel like sharing the gospel right now. Right now you feel like it, but tomorrow morning you may not. Motivation and feelings, the bubbly of the Lord, can come and go. But a revelation of His goodness and His intent and His call from you will remain. Despite what you're going through, you can stand on the promise and the revelation of who He is. That's what we need. We need a revelation of the power of your diploma. Your diploma reads, you are the sons and daughters of God to carry out the power of the gospel, to change history. And it is signed in the blood that is inked that says, Jesus, Son of God. And the diploma is sealed, as it says in Ephesians, with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that we have a diploma. When we got born again, when we got spirit-filled, a diploma, he's my son, she's my daughter, complete authority to cast out sickness and death and demons. Woo! But you need that revelation. So the first thing that we need to do is is to believe. And the second thing we need to do, which some of us may not have had, is a true encounter with the third portion of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not an electrical force like Star Wars. He's not the Holy Spirit. He is Holy Spirit. He is a part of the Godhead, the triune Godhead. He is the one that hovered over the waters in the beginning. He's the one that has descended onto Jesus to allow Jesus, who is fully man but also fully God, to do the miracles that he did. The dove fell upon him, right, in John, and the dove never left him. You see, Derek Prince, the great orator and the great preacher, the last 30 years says, the Holy Spirit has been snubbed too often. We use them as a, as, as, a, as a commodity to get what we need and what we want during a hard time. But the Holy Spirit needs to be lifted up as a part of the, the Godhead. 
You need to have that experience. And you have it. Woo! We got to pray for you. Because it's going to change your life. And if you don't want to believe me, let me just do a little theological thing here. There are people who claim to know God. But they do not know the Son. And the Lord himself, Jesus himself said, the only way to get to the Father is through the Son. So if you think that you know the Father, but you do not know the Son, you do not know the Father. So knowing the Father can't really be had unless you know the Son. That is like gigantic, enormous difference. Amen? Well, what if you don't know Holy Spirit? You're saved. Saved by grace. Saved by the blood of Jesus. But if knowing God the Father, you can't unless you know the Son. If you know the Son, you know the Father and the Son. And it's a difference of salvation. What's the difference between just knowing the Son, but haven't really known in the Holy Ghost yet? It is the difference between a demonstration of the power of God and the power of the death and resurrection on planet Earth. That's the difference. These men and women in the scripture knew the Father, knew the Son, and encountered and knew and know the Holy Ghost. It is the difference between a weak church that just concerns himself with the social gospel, just feeds some people, make people feel okay. It's the difference between that and being empowered by the Spirit of God, laying your hands on the sick and say, be healed and go and sin no more. It is light years of difference. And today, Pentecost is the day that we're supposed to be celebrating the falling and the coming of the Holy Ghost. And churches all across America, it's about Holy Spirit. But what is He? He is the power of the Godhead. He is that which raised Jesus from the dead. He is He that raised Lazarus from the dead. He hovered over the waters. He descends on Jesus and mobilizes him to, to perform miracles and point people to Christ. We need Holy Spirit fire again. Come on, if there's a day to say amen and get fired up, it's today. Shavuot, Pentecost, the Spirit of God falling. Falling in our midst. A celebration. It's like Easter, but Easter on steroids, man. So we need a revelation. You guys can actually turn it down. I, a little bit. I like it, though. I like it. I like it going it, in the presence. A second way that we need to learn to be able to go out is this. You need a revelation. You need an experience. But what also happens here is this. Song of Solomon. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. There's a lot of people out there that are great at taking care of other people's vineyards. You can help people. You're beautiful and awesome at helping people and praying for people and, and doing all this wonderful stuff. It's beautiful. The Lord loves it. But have you taken care of your own vineyard? Have you attended to your own stuff? Have you had that time with the Lord? Revelation. Time of the Lord experience. Another part to this is you got to be aware. You got to be aware of, of an empty cup. 
When you're just pouring out to people, pouring out to people, pouring out to people and never receiving. Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. You can only pour into people out of what you have. Amen. If you have nothing in your cup, get away from me. I don't want you ministering to me. If you're naggy, depressed, all funky, just go. I don't want you around me to pray for me. But if you're filled to the, to the, to the lip and you're pouring over and you, you got so much of the presence of God, come on. The world needs to see believers again that are overpouring with the presence of God. They're not like, oh, help me, help me, help me. But it says, I, have, I do not have silver. I do not have gold. But when I give you, I give freely. Get up and walk. You only do that when you pour out the Holy Ghost in you. You know what I'm saying? How do you do that? You tend to the vineyard. You have time and experience with the Lord. And the other way is to get thirsty. You got to get thirsty. Jesus, who comes to me, I have living waters and you will thirst no more. That doesn't mean that you just come to him and it's all over. It means like, yo, man, you want more of the presence of God. You need to get thirsty for the presence of God. Amen. You got to want it. You got to desire it. And really closing up things, the next bit. We have, we need a revelation. We need an experience. We need to make sure that our cups are full and overflowing. If we want to see the book of Acts happen in our midst. And there's another thing that I think is tremendously, tremendously important. It's found in Genesis chapter 26, verse 17. As I just spilled coffee on me, which is a great symbol for an overflow cup, right? <laughs> Genesis 26, verse 17. <clears throat> then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. <clears throat> we need to dig the wells. We need to redig the wells of our fathers because the Philistines have plugged them up. The things of the world have plugged up those wells. Amen. And what are wells? Wells are the source of, as Isaiah says, Mayan Yeshua, the springs of salvation or the springs of Jesus, literally, the springs of Yeshua. See, the things of the world clog up the well. We've got to declog well. That means you have to redig those ancient wells of your ancestors. The ancient wells of, of, of those who have come before us. And what are wells? Wells are, are there to sustain you through those dry times, right? The wells are dug half through the revelation of the promise. What sustains you long time when you're going through a hard time, you're going through a drought? What's going to allow you to have access to continual flowing water, even though there's a drought around you? It is getting into the wells. It's getting digging deeper, deeper wells. And what are those wells spiritually? 
The wells are the revelation and the heritage of the promises of God for your life. Even if I do not see it, it is a promise and a revelation. And this, people, this is, this is what the apostles knew. This is the revelation that they had. They looked back on the promises from their fathers that the Lord made with the fathers. <clears throat> and the wells are so deep to be found in the scriptures. What's the revelation? What's the revelation? What's the heritage of being children of God? What did our ancestors show us from their relationship with God? It goes like this. We are the head and not the tail. We are the light to nations. Salvation comes from the Jews. We are to be a peculiar and strange people, a holy priesthood. Joel prophesies that in the day, all of the Spirit of God would pulled off on, poured out on all flesh. What did they know that was able to fuel them and face kings and Caesars? They knew the well that the Redeemer, the Messiah, would cast to come, and He has come. And that He said that we will do even greater things than Him. Come on, can I, should I go on? To stir us up? Come on, a revelation of who He is. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. We get to go boldly before the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. Do you know that we're going to be called into heavenly places and we're going to judge nations? And judge angels, you and I. That's in the book of Revelation. We are the righteousness of God. We need to know the power of our diploma. We need to dig the wells of the revelation that sustains us through drought periods and hard times. I'm going through it, Lord, but I know your promises. And when Peter and Paul are sitting in a prison, they know the promises of God. And the Holy Spirit shows up and rattles, ah, rattles jail cells, man. Changes nations and empires come and fall underneath the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost. So know your heritage. See the revelation of God's goodness. Get thirsty and dig the wells. For those of you who like to take notes and you're like, ah, what the heck did this guy just say? It's this. How do we live out Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit times in the book of Acts? We want to see it again today. It's this. Tend to your vineyard, man. Stop pouring into everyone else. Have time with Holy Spirit. Have time with the Godhead. Soak in His presence. Drink from the wine of the Spirit. In order to do that, you got to get thirsty. You'll be like, I want it. I'm jealous of those biblical times, Lord. I want to see it in my age. And you got to dig the wells. Get rid of the junk that the world tells you is supposed to be appropriate. And the digging of the wells is relying and understanding the promises of your diploma. Who you are in Him. Can we all stand? Please. Your goodness. Is that right? Do goodness first. 
Sorry. Lord, we just... It's Pentecost. It's the week-long celebration of Shavuot. It's the time of the first rains. It's the time of the initial harvest. Father, we pray that the rain falls. We pray that the fire falls. We pray that the goodness of God falls. Lord, we pray that for, for those of us who are a little dry, they've been living in a dry and thirsty land for a little too long. Lord, we pray right now that they would have an experience with you. But there also would be a revelation of the diploma that they've graduated into heavenly places with you. Father, I pray that people believe again. They get hungry again. They get thirsty again. Jesus. <laughs>